This is Stan Luttrell. Welcome to episode number three of Finding Hope. This is Stan Luttrell along with Matt Dodas-Rouss, and today's guest is Crystal Perkins. We will be telling Crystal's story of hope, but first I want to let you know that we are proud to be on the Apple platform joining the uh, uh, Anchor and Stitcher and Google platforms as well. And there are about three others, I think, as of last count. So without any further ado, on with the program. Good morning. This is the podcast number three of the Finding Hope podcast. And we have a wonderful guest today, as we always have, but this is probably one of the first people I met here, and her name is Crystal Perkins. And we have with me doing the helping status things our Matt Vorderstrauss. There we Make go. <laughs> and uh, we will be talking to Crystal about how she found her home. And this is episode number three. And I want to mention before we start that we're now on Apple Podcasts. So that will be among the... And uh, if you have, have Apple Podcasts, we're on Google, we're on Stitcher, and we have uh, our flagship, which is um, Anchor anchor.fm. Why did I almost forget that? I don't but, know. But anyway, <laughs> Anchor.fm is the flagship, and we are now on Apple. And uh, I'm very proud of that because I was able to listen to it. Just as an aside, I have a specialty audio book player that is very popular among the blind called a Victor Stream. And they allow you to do searching for podcasts. So I typed Sweet. in Finding Hope, and it was the fifth one. And uh, I wasn't able to find it before. But let's start out. And how did you end up dealing with Rogue Retreat? I was a year clean and sober. Um, I could not find anybody who wanted to rent housing to me because I had so much collateral damage um, from some of the choices I'd made in life, lots of evictions. Um, there was a point in time um, when I had been clean and sober for just a short time and an old friend invited me to their apartment for coffee and I went there and it was a rogue retreat apartment and um, that's when he told me about rogue retreat. Um, I started using again really you know shortly after and so it wasn't until fast forward several years when I got clean and I remembered about this place when I couldn't find anyone to rent to us and um, I was due to have a baby. And just that little event in time from a few years earlier, I knew of Rogue Retreat. So I applied for housing. So um, you said that you were um, about due to have your baby and everything and you were about a year clean and sober at that point in time. What was what reality were you facing um, due to the fact that you weren't able to find um, a private landlord that could, would rent to you? 
we can't start this over, can we? No, it's good. Just go <laughs> okay. ahead. And <laughs> so, um, basically, uh, you know, going back to when I was a teenager. Now, at this point, when I got into Rover Tree, I was, um, I was, you know, in my thirties. But when I was a teenager, I had um, never tried drugs or anything like that. But I was a ward of the court, and I was a foster child, and I was having babies, and I was living on the streets. Um, by the time I was eighteen, I had three children. As a result of you know having no life skills whatsoever, no parents, no um, job training, I ended up losing those children. Um, in the process of all of that, I had um, you know built so many cases with child welfare just for being irresponsible and um, and not being able to parent. So even though when I applied for Rover Retreat, you know, in my 30s, I'm about to have another baby. Um, I had got, gotten sobriety. I didn't have any child welfare cases, but I, I had just gotten custody of my son. And I was facing having to go to child welfare after all those years and saying, hey, I can't do this again, you know? And that was really, really scary. I, I felt like if I had to go that route, that given my history with them and my name being known down there um, at those offices, that I could very well lose my my new children, or you know, my older children, younger children, excuse me. So. So did, did you ever regain the older children or do you, or do you ha have any knowledge of them or did they just go off for adoption and that was it? So they just went off for adoption. And interestingly enough that you ask that because um, only about a week and a half ago after 17 years, um, the adoptive mother to two of them contacted me and said she was giving me my 17-year-old back and she has been with me for um, just over a week now. Um, first time I met her was the Sunday before last. How has it been going? Amazing. She has this amazing spirit and the, a love for God. Um, I guess she just was rebelling because she wanted to know me um, and her adoptive family couldn't handle that or her adoptive mother couldn't handle it. But it's going amazing. She's now volunteering for Rogue Retreat. Um, <laughs> she's taking a childcare position with Rogue Retreat um, as soon as we get all her identification squared away. She's volunteering at Set Free Ministries on Fridays. Um, yeah, it's going amazing. And she has the same love for music as I do. She sits and plays guitar while we sing in the evenings to to my baby, um, she plays guitar. It's it's amazing. And how old is your youngest of the baby? How old? My youngest is a year and a half old. Okay. And then at home, I have regained custody of my five-year-old little girl. Or she's now seven, but um, she was five years old. I hadn't seen her in five years. Uh huh. Um, and out of nowhere, a judge just signed over custody. Um, and I have custody of my nine-year-old son as well. And how are those two other two cases working out? Um, amazing. I've pretty much always had my son. He even went through the craziness with me, but... Well... So it seems like it's been coming full circle. I Things I never imagined were going to happen. Um, 
I never even asked or even asked God for them to happen because I just thought they were too far out of reach, you know, and they're happening. So, um, what was it about Rogue Retreat that attracted you? What made you develop a relationship here? Initially, it was that I needed a house, and that's all there was to it, and it was all selfish motives. And, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Um, you got a house, I want it, you know. Uh, but the relationships that were formed um, while I was in the program, we were in the program for 11 months before we graduated, me and my husband. And uh, the relationships that were formed, not just with the employees, but the people in the program who... Uh, I hate to put it this way, but, you know, the people from the streets that we, we ran with or, you know, even those relationships, it was like immediately a family, you know, um, the enemies from out there, just everything was was squashed, I guess you'd say, and, um, you know, we, everyone in the program was working towards something better and working toward, you know, goals and we all just lifted each other up and it's, it's been a crazy experience, to be honest. Because I know that 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 here, because what will happen is when you're out there doing your receptionist duty, if someone is called upon, will voluntarily help you out with something, or you will help someone else with something. Yeah. There is a mutual cooperation that is very interesting. Yeah. The bonds are special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. Culturally, I think that one of the things that we notice here is that it is much more of a family environment and that there is a collaborative nature between staff and other staff and then staff and participants and other agencies and everything. And it's just neat to be able to see you fit into that culture and to be able to step into doing the um, work at the front desk and really be on the front lines and being the first person that is dealing with people that are in crisis and needing help. How does your background um, and what, with what you've experienced help you um, as you're doing the work that you do on a daily basis here? So I know that when I was first starting, I secretly told my husband, I don't know how well I'm going to be able to relate to these people because some of them are so much worse off than I was when I came into the program. You know, like I hadn't pictured people literally coming in and smelling you know because they're out in the heat and they haven't had showers and I never pictured the people coming into the front desk and saying do you have any food I'm so hungry like so I I didn't know that I was going to be able to relate to these people that well but they had just the presence of these people has rejogged my memory to times that I had shut out um mostly as a teenager because as I got a little older, you know, I found my loopholes and ways um, to get the things I needed and wanted, but um, there was a time when I was completely destitute and they're reminding me of that every day. And I don't know, I feel like I can feel their pain when they come in and I know that it gets better. I, I know that it does and I can actually offer them that peace of mind and tell them it's from my own experiences that I know this. And, you know, I can share with them a relatable story so that they know I'm sincere. And um, just a few minutes ago, 
um, on the phone, I had some some guy said, "Wait a minute, so you're." you're a graduate, you were actually in the program like I'm gonna be, and I said yes, and he's like, that rocks, you know, and he just thought that was the coolest thing ever, and that was right before I came in for this interview, and and I said yes, so there is hope, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna be there this afternoon, and he's gonna come fill out an application, and I mean, I don't know. And I wanna touch on something that just recently happened to you that I know you're quite proud of, and I think a lot of people would be to know this. Would you care to share that with us? I think I know which one you're talking about, but I gotta tell you, so many miracles have happened in only the last month. I can't even start to name them, but I think you mean me finishing high school. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I finished high school last week, um, the day after I had three years clean and sober. And I can't believe I did it. And I beat my, my kids at it. And I'm able to set that example. And I never thought I could do it. I never did. You and know, I, oh, go on. I never would have started the GED process um, if it wasn't for Terry, my case manager here at Rogue Retreat, over a year ago um, when she was pushing me to try and pushing me to try. And the only reason I did, even tried for it was because I didn't want to look stupid. You know, and the only reason I applied for, or I mean, tried to get my driver's license straightened out was because I didn't want to feel embarrassed because she kept asking me, and did you make these calls? Did you make these calls? And I was just so embarrassed all the time, you know, but she pushed me and that's pretty amazing. Well, right? I'll tell you one thing. I won't be getting my driver's license anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's understandable, Stan. It's okay. <laughs> well, we're going to have the self-driving cars here very soon. I'm sure of it. But at any rate, also, but you know what I also remember is that you were really anxious one day because you were about to have your little math exam. Oh, gosh. Yes. And, and you were like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. I and you did. sick about it. Yes. Sick about it. Yeah. Math was always my nemesis in school. I never yeah. liked it. It's not fun. Yeah. I'll never understand how a letter is a number. <laughs> I won't ever probably understand that. Well, that and, of course, uh, well, if you ever, oh, no, you don't want to get into physics either. Mm -hmm. Or chemistry. No, you don't want either one of those. I labored with both of them. And no, I don't want to even want to think about that. Yeah. So, Crystal, um, you were talking about Terry, your case manager, and yeah. how um, she was um, pushing you to really um, make sure that you were on top of your appointments. And and can you just explain a little bit about what that relate what that case management relationship was like, and what made it unique? So I think a lot of people um, who are just coming um, out of addiction or, you know, just starting a program or just starting to experience structure and stability, I think a lot of people like me come in with this attitude about everything that that's impossible, that's out of reach, that's, there's no way that's ever going to happen, and that was me. There's no way I'm ever going to understand to pass my GED. There is no way I'm ever going to be able to get all these different courts to, um, you know, to agree to let me have my driver's license and have it be affordable. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And 
I, you know, my case manager was constantly in my ear that, no, you need to try. No, you need to try. She never said, hey, I promise you this is going to happen, but she promised me this is not going to happen if you don't try. And um, so she just, you know, she pushed me to try and and that's all it took. And then, you know, as soon as I put forth that little effort, I saw results. And I think everyone experiences this, that little bit of effort, you see some results and then you bite, you know? And that's what, that's what she did for me. She pushed me to try things that I was sure were never possible. Yeah. And all of it came actually super easy. Yeah. It all, <laughs> the impossible was so easy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what um, what can happen when we begin trying and mm-hmm. putting forth the effort for it. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, did anything? Did any of your own abilities catch you by surprise? Yes. I never thought that anyone looked at me like I would be able to work here or be a um, role model for other people. And I know that everybody that works here is a role model, you know, to somebody and um, people look up to them. And I I used to see Erica at the front desk. And when I came here, I said, well, I'll never be an Erica. There's no way I could ever be an Erica. But, um, you know, I know that people have seen things in me that I never saw. And I mean, I appreciate it. I'm still a little iffy about it, but. But do you think that iffiness helps you push yourself harder? Do I think that what does? You were talking about the iffiness. Oh, yeah. Do you think that has helped you help push yourself to uh, to do more? No. You I think that that is what um, has deterred me. But I think with the support, actually I know, with the support and the encouragement um, and the pushing of the people in this program, the people that work here, um, that is what's made us possible. But if it hadn't been for your inner strength coming from somewhere, it wouldn't have happened no matter what someone did. That's true. Yeah. You know, I know for myself, um, when I'm in that place of iffiness, usually it's fear. Um, fear of not being good enough, fear of being less than. And I know that when I myself um, live in those fears, I will... Um, not take chances and not take opportunities that are in front of me and a lot of times it takes the support of somebody like a Terry in our lives to yeah. um, help us mitigate that fear and move through it so that we can start out growing it. Right. Yeah. And Rover Tree employees and staff have always believed in me. Um, you know, just once I got into the program, I started doing childcare. I was really good at it. I never thought anybody would trust me with their children. <laughs> Not because I would harm a child, but look at what the state said. I, I, you know, they believed at one time I would never be able to parent. You know, I had an evaluation come back when I was 17 that said I would never be able to parent. So now people are going to trust me with their children, you know, and Rogue Retreat supported me. I started my own little business in the backyard of my Rogue Retreat apartment and it blew up and Rogue Retreat supported me. Can you tell us a little bit about what that business is? Yeah. So my business, um, do you want me to tell you the name of it? You, it's sure. Crystal. It's Crystal's Glass Garden. Crystal with a K. You can find it on Facebook. And um, I make solar-powered glass garden art and glass garden decor. 
Um, so like my glass garden flowers stand like three and a half feet tall. They could be any height you want, but um, they light up at night on their own. Um, and I make bird feeders, um, display bird feeders. So they're large vases that, and they stand about four feet tall. And they, um, you know, display memorabilia inside of them while at the same time they're a bird bath and a bird feeder. And I make pouring teapot sets for the yard. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I know um, my wife is a huge fan of um, Alice in Wonderland, and you made a really awesome tea set or um, display set at one point that um, looked like it could be on the set for um, Alice in Wonderland. So That's very interesting. She may have contacted me. Might have, probably. I think she did. <laughs> I didn't know that was your wife, but I just got um, a few months back a message about that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so... How has that impacted your life, setting up a business like that? Amazing, because even during the dead gaps, like the dead time where like these incredible things, like my children coming back, you know, it's kept me busy. That's for sure. It's given me self-confidence. Um, I felt really cheesy putting this business name on the side of my van or all over my van, you know, when I was like, well, I'm not a legitimate business. I'm not a real business. And then I realized that I am a business, like... This has grown so big, you know, when you're getting orders every single day, you're a business. And so in time, I just developed this confidence about it. And Have you ever gotten anything out of the area? What do you mean? Well, we live in the Rogue Valley. So have you been... Oh, I ship all the way across the United States. That's what I'm getting. Yes. I ship. um, I also have two people who will deliver um, one up the coast um, because they make frequent trips there. And then I deliver all the way up to Portland eight times a year. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just kind of fallen into place, you know? Um, so. What's the furthest away you've seen your business go? New York. Oh, okay. I'm not going to lie. That was to my mother. I know. I know. <laughs> but, I wasn't going to go there, but. But. but <laughs> but she's going to tell somebody else. She did, and then she, her fr- a couple of her friends ordered some, and then somebody from Connecticut, um, and I've also shipped to Ohio, and then several to California. Okay. Now, see, yeah. that, that, that's what I was getting at, out of the area. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that has to be a very uplifting kind of thing, too. Because Especially when I get custom orders that are meaningful, cool. um, that... The one that was most meaningful was um, a vet. He's a Navy vet, and a wife wanted to get him something to commemorate, or you know, for him, um, for Father's Day. And so I made him this U.S. Navy glass garden flower that was, you know, all navy colors. And I hand painted anchors and put them on it, and it just lights up. And when it lights up at night, you can see the stamps I put on it say um, U.S. Navy veteran. And that's awesome. Oh, you told me about that. I I love that story. So, um, basically it sounds like when you came to Rogue Retreat, you were in a place of great need. Um, You were about to give birth, um, and basically you had nowhere else to go to. And then um, after taking that risk and coming in here and coming into the program... Your life has exploded in a good way yes. in many cases. And I'd like to also say that that daughter of mine, who I did not see or talk to for five years because of my own choices, 
when I went to a judge eight hours away because I knew she was not in a good place with her father um, just because he was making the same choices I used to all I had to do was say Rogue Retreat's name and he gave me custody before I ever met my daughter um, because I we explained what the program was um, the accountability that was in the program um, you know the environment the housing environment um, in which we were living in you know the sobriety um, and without even any further question knowing my entire history and all my well child welfare cases from being a teenager he gave me custody and all he did was smile and said you be a good mom now I'm signing this order and that my my lawyer said walking in that was not nothing like that was going to happen but he was so pleased with rogue retreat and the place i was at that he just did the impossible wow yeah and that's not hyping it up that's really what happened so how does it feel to be a good mom oh my gosh that if i was never anything else in my life and never amounted to anything else being able to be a good mom would be enough for me more than enough I have one child who remembers what it was like when it wasn't this way and he he tells me he's proud of me what would you say to anyone who isn't quite ready for rogue retreat but is almost ready for rogue retreat or some program like this what would you tell them I tell them a few things. One of the things that I've learned and so I've lived by is that you do not have to know what you're going to do. You don't have to know where you're going. You just have to know what you're not going to do. And you have to stick to that. And you're not going to go back to your old ways. I'm not, whatever's most fitting for you. <laughs> um, I would say just stick to that and then trust in the process because there is hope. Does it feel good to have hope? <laughs> so, like, I know that it just keeps getting better, and I finally trust that it is. And I don't know how much better it can get, but it keeps getting better. So I'm like, sometimes I think I must be close to dying because there's, it cannot get any better than this. I, I've gained everything back and more. Like, I don't, I'm a very grateful, grateful woman today. That's awesome. And you probably never would have envisioned what you're seeing now. No, no, I didn't even ask for it because I didn't think it was possible. I, my mind wasn't even able to go there, you know. Because they say you couldn't wrap your mind around it. That's right. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I hear um, a lot of times is when people first get clean if they were to write out what they want in their life and then several years later if they were to go back and revisit that list yeah. what they end up finding is that what they ended up getting and what they want in their lives at that point is completely different completely than different. what they originally wanted when they first got clean and you know, I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that God does work in mysterious ways and sometimes all we have to do is be willing and keep putting one foot in front of the other and what's supposed to happen is going to unfold as long as we're keep willing to put in that work. Right. And uh, I know that, you know, this is a, this that was a start of a brand new beginning for you. Yeah, 
didn't even know it at the time. And you didn't know it at the time. And okay, now I'm going to tease you with something. <laughs> now that you've gotten your GED, do you figure? Do you picture yourself as doing anything else school-wise, or is that? Yep, I'm going to law school. Okay. That has always been my dream. Um, I The only thing I felt that hindered me was not being able to finish high school because of the math. Um, and I had no idea that I was just going to fly right through that with no practice or anything. I did. And, you know, that belief that I couldn't and I wouldn't hindered me for years. But I would love to be a lawyer or advocate for families in court. I want to do something with family law. But like like Matt was just saying, I don't, I could tell you my list of things I'm interested in now, but with all these doors constantly opening, who knows what it's gonna turn into, mm-hmm. so. But that's, been, that's what also makes life even more exciting. Yeah. Because you have this, uh, you have this, like you have this multi-door thing. You just don't know which avenue is going to open up for you. Right. And I have literally spent the last three years of my life constantly excited about what's happening next. It's always something crazy exciting happening next. Mm-hmm. And it's the most amazing feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, um... I know that we're starting to wind down right. time now and everything, but um, you were in Rogue Retreats programs for a while. Yeah. Um, what was it like to graduate out and to go into your own housing and then to come back and be working here? What Just the overall feeling of how that is. Well, I could never stay away from Rogue Retreat after I left. Um, you know, we did move out and we moved into um, a house and I could never stay away. I was constantly in touch with Rogue Retreats. Um, I was kind of, kind of doing some, you know, some work for Rogue Retreat. Um, I don't know if Rogue Retreat knew, but you know, like pairing up with landlords, and you know, and it was a big goal of mine since this landlord gave us a chance, knowing we were coming from Rogue Retreat to um, be the best tenants possible, to possibly open doors for a future Rogue Retreat. You know. Uh, Rogue Retreat graduates moving out um, and we recently did move from that house. We've moved a lot because we moved from that house into a gorgeous home, a very highly sought after neighborhood. Um, and so we left a really good trail or idea of Rogue Retreat to him and I will take credit for that because it was such a goal of mine and he is now putting another Rogue Retreat graduate into that house. Um, if that makes sense. But you should be proud of it. Uh-huh. I worked really hard to make it happen that way. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that relationship could help save a life because when somebody else is ready to move out, and that who opens knows, up a spot for somebody else to come in. Right, and who knows how many years that relationship is going to last or what's going to blossom out of that. That's just another branch, mm-hmm. you know, off this big, huge tree of which we are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very exciting. You know, every day is... Another exciting day here at uh, Rogue Retreat. And uh, it's nice that you are a part of it. And this is Stan Luttrell, along with Matthew Matt Voters. <laughs> and uh, Crystal. 
and uh, we're wishing all of you many happy returns at Rogue Retreat. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.